Man, I've had a good few days, I'm not going to lie. We, uh, we were up on vacation. We went to Auburn, of all places. Anyone from Auburn? Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we decided to try a type of family vacation. It's like 20 minutes from Sacramento, but a type of family vacation where we go away to a house kind of in the middle of the nowhere with some kind of like pool or like this one had like a little swimming pond um, and just hang out for four days and do nothing and eat at home and sleep when you want to sleep and read a book and it was awesome. I highly recommend it if you're, uh, if you're looking for a vacation idea. Um, so we're coming back fueled up, rested, and it's so good to be back. It is really good to be back. Thank you all of you who sent us good birthday wishes. That was fun to have your Facebook wall blow up and get a lot of texts. Um, I'm really excited for what I have to share today. Um, and so let's pray, and, uh, and then we'll jump right into it. Lord, I'm thankful for this time. God, I look to you as the one who makes this powerful. And so, God, uh, we surrender this time to you. God, I offer up the people in here, Lord, that you would be working on hearts, that you would be illuminating minds. And God, for me, I pray that the, the things that are in your mind and heart would come through me and that you'd use me in that way. So we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I jump into it, I want to welcome back our Philippines team. So we just had a... So we had a, a, a crew coming back from, uh, from Manila and other places around Manila and did some amazing work. I actually haven't gotten the debrief yet, so all I've heard from Emily is that it was... It feels like it's getting better and better every time we go. It's the glory upon glory. So we'll have them come up. We'll share uh, what went on and uh, make sure we get a full debrief. But good having you guys back. So one of the privileges of being a pastor of this church, there are many of them, but one of what's growing to be one of my favorite moments of the month uh, is when we do communion and Getting to stand up here, and everybody who comes up, you get to say the same thing too. You get to say the body of Christ broken for you, and the blood of Christ shed for you. And as people dip the, the, blood, the, the body in the grape juice, it runs down the cup, and it's like getting all over my hands. <laughs> and it's just like, there's something about it, man, that just... It just sets your thinking right, you know, like getting to stare at every individual and be like, yes, for you too. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you, you know, and then, and then the next one. And it's like fresh each time. And there's this like joy that I've found in doing that. That's just, man, <laughs> I feel like I want to do it every day with you guys, you know, just come over to my house, line up down the steps and we'll be like, all right, here we go. Um, but I feel like that mindset, that awareness, you know, we don't often walk around the earth with that awareness. Like, what would our lives be like if we walked around the earth with that awareness that everybody you shook hands with was like, yes, body of Christ broken for you, blood of Christ shed for you. You go to work and your coworkers are there and the one that annoys you the most, that one is... Yes, body of Christ broken for you, 
blood of Christ shed for you. And I feel like, man, my prayer coming out of this time is that somehow supernaturally and naturally, that we'd get into a place where we've trained our thinking to be so much that nothing breaks that. You know, nothing breaks that. Somebody comes to you and does something that's not great, it doesn't break it. Your parents don't treat you exactly right, nothing breaks it. Your boss isn't great to you, nothing breaks it. There's this, like, foundation with which you see the world that is the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you, and guess what? The same body of Christ broken for me and the same blood of Christ shed for me. And this, like, this unifying thing happens when you have that mindset. All of this division and all of this separation stuff of like, oh, you're over here and, and you're separate and you're over here and you're separate, like, we're all on the level playing field. We all come in the same humility. We all come with the same honor for one another. All of those things that we do to push people away and separate out, they're just like gone in that realization and in those moments. And that's the call of Christ that we see in Matthew chapter 7. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. It's going to go through verse 6, and then we're going we're to dive into it. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. First sex is like, what? How does that flow with the other? We'll get there. The idea of judgment. So the first verse, do not judge, or you too will be judged. What's the idea of judgment? The idea of judgment is an interesting one. It's to separate out from either a right or a wrong determination. When we think about judgment, we're not thinking about suspending our discernment over people's actions in terms of right or wrong. If that was the case, we wouldn't see at the bottom that you actually are encouraged to go to your brother when you see clearly and address their wrong action. So we know it's not actions. What it is, is judgment is the activity or the, the process of seeing somebody's actions or seeing something that's going on externally that they're doing, and then attributing that to who they are. That's judgment. So it's not that you committed a selfish act by taking the last piece of pizza. It's you're a selfish person, because I've seen you do that every week when you come to small group. <laughs> every time you take the last pie, piece of the pie. So you're selfish. And what happens in that moment of judgment is you've just categorized somebody, and in that process, you've determined that they're other, that you're over here, and they're over there. 
We see this everywhere. It is everywhere. This process of you just did something that now tells me or you personally that you're in this category, you're in this class. I have one of these moments that I've shared many of times in this church. One of the moments where, have you ever said something and right after you did it, you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could rewind time and take that one back. Yeah, I had one of those in middle school. Never since then because, you know, no, I'm just kidding about that part. But I had one of these in middle school, and it's one of those ones when you start to get good at, like, you know, interest, like, allowing God to search you and know, like, the root things that cause other things. Like, this is one of those that, like, really got me, like, got me, got me, and had, like, multiple sessions with Jesus about it. So I'm in middle school. I really like this girl, and it's time to write in her yearbook. Yeah. And... So I sit down, and I've got some buddies around me that are kind of, like, stoking me up a little bit to, like, write something. Like, oh, yeah, what are you going to write? You know, all this stuff. And so I sit down, and I start writing in it, and they're, like, looking over my shoulder. And so I get, like, kind of vulgar in the girl's yearbook because I wanted to, like, you know, my buddies are right there. And so I finish. We're all laughing. I close it up, and I slide it to the next person, right? And, like, they, they all, like, circulate around or whatever. And then I had that moment of realization. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Like, she's going to read this, and it's going to be horrible. And so, sure enough, I go to, next cla- I go to the next class, and <clears throat> I'm sitting in the next class, and one of her best friends comes sprinting up to me and goes, what were you thinking writing that in her yearbook? Right, like, everybody reads what everybody else wrote as you're passing it around. <laughs> what were you thinking? And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I like go into the next class, two other people come up to me in between the two classes and they're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right, and it's like, I'm like, you know, I've got a bowl cut and it doesn't look good. Like, I wear Massimo and Stussy everything because I thought that's what was cool. <laughs> got my Jordans on, yeah. And I was just like, I was devastated. And my mind started sprinting in all of the directions that are probably familiar to you guys, which is like, you can't take this back. Everybody sees you for what you are now. Everybody knows. Everybody's, you, this just tarnished you for, the, for forever. You're now in another category for people. I just broke, man. I just started weeping Right when one of the, actually one of the, her friends, a girl, was like telling me, what were you thinking? I was like, <laughs> start running out. I ran across the field. This is like a, a good drama. I ran across the field. I sat on a stump under another tree and just like, <laughs> yeah, for, for a while. But man, like what, what happened there and what happened inside of me after that? There was some action that I did that I thought was going to mark the rest of my life because the people that I cared most about would then say, I thought he was this person, but now because of that action, we see that he's this person. And I got this like fear inside of me that I would do one wrong thing 
and that one wrong thing would mark the rest of my life. Do you guys have that fear? Like, I'll just get the bad grade, and that bad grade will turn into the wrong grad school, and then the wrong grad school will turn into the job that I like, can't get, or whatever it is, like if that's your path, right? It feels really big at the time, or you're at work and you said the wrong thing to your boss, and you're like, oh no, like they're going to categorize me in this other place, and it's going to change the way they think about me, and it's going to have this effect and this effect. Like, that is operating with a lens of, lens of judgment, where you do something on the external that you feel like maybe doesn't represent you, or if you're judging yourself, correctly represents you. And then you put yourself in another category because others do. Self-hatred enters, and you've just like, been marred by judgment. This type of thing is everywhere. It is everywhere. In our political season right now, Watch the news for three minutes, and you will watch people slander and bash and judge the leaders of our nation or the potential leaders of our nation. It's either like, you know, like, did you see the most recent tweet from Donald Trump? What a bleep, bleep, bleep. This guy's an idiot. He's a bigot. Like, all of these labels are now slapped on the person who just did that action. That's judgment. Judgment is taking the actions of an individual, whether right or wrong. Like maybe the action is like disgusting, but then putting that person in another category is like, look at that. Can you believe that person? Donald Trump's tagline for Hillary, crooked Hillary. You take an action and then you judge the person's heart. Like look at all these things she's done. She's despicable inside. She's crooked. Like, it's everywhere. The new, I can't even watch the news anymore because I feel like it's not, it's not delivering me information. It's all of this commentary about who's going to bash the next person more than the next person that just got bashed. And it's all judgment. It's everywhere. You know, another expression is public speaking is something that terrifies people. Why would something like public speaking terrify people? Is it because, like, there's something dangerous about, you know, the thing that's going on up here? <laughs> Actually, yes. It took me years of preaching to get over that fear that I would say something in a setting like this, not be able to take it back, and all of you would be like, oh, wow, like, I really lost a lot of respect for him in that moment. Maybe he's not the pastor that I thought he was going to be. But like because we allow ourselves and in the world judgment just runs rampant, fear of rejection is probably the number one fear that goes on in people. And if you boil down what the fear of rejection is, what is it? It's the fear of judgment. It's the fear that I'll do something, people will see it, it won't be good enough, and I'll be over there. Whether it's the cool kids with the athletics, whether it's like, I want to be on the worship team, and like, they're going to see that I'm not good enough, and it's going to be, you know, like, pick your setting. But it's always this thing where I'm on the outside, they're on the inside, I'm deemed to be in this bucket, they're deemed out here. Or if we're doing it to other people, it's, 
man, I don't like, I don't want to hang out with that person. That person's annoying. Right? That person talks too much. They're just annoying. It's a a slap of a label on somebody. And so we just talked about how the kingdom of the world works. Let's talk about how the kingdom of our God works. What does Jesus say about that kind of thing? He says in verse 2, For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In Matthew chapter 5, just unpacking this a little bit, in Matthew chapter 5, he talks about forgiveness. And he says, hey, if you withhold forgiveness, God will withhold forgiveness from you. He's super serious about it. If you withhold forgiveness, God will withhold forgiveness from you. It's like, whoa. It's one of those Jesus moments where you're like, man. Like, I kind of feel like he's, he's being somewhat funny in this verse. We'll get to that. This other one's not a funny point, right? It's like, oh my gosh. This is the same side of the same, this is a different side of the same coin. For the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and that measure will be used to you. What he's saying here is just like forgiveness, why is forgiveness hard? Why is forgiveness difficult for us? When somebody's really wronged us and we're like, man, it's really difficult for me to forgive that person, why is that? It's because we've judged them and put them into another category. You've done something that's so bad that you sit over here and I'm over here. I cannot forgive that. The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you that declares your value, I'm unable to see that anymore. You sit over here I sit over here, my place is higher, yours is lower. I would never do, ever do anything like that. I'm separate. And that's why it's so hard for us to extend forgiveness. This judgment thing is exactly the same thing. It's just the opposite side of the coin. It's for the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. God's got a thing, man. There's not, you know, my image of God is that he's really happy He's really good. Like, most of the time, he's in a great mood. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> sounds funny, attributed to God, right? Like, that, that's, like, generally my experience of God. There's a few things that are, like, his hot buttons. Like, I have a couple hot buttons. I won't share them right now. <laughs> I share too much from this place, and I'm, and I'm afraid you'll judge me. <laughs> this is one of those for God that's, like, I am not messing around. I want to back out and say, why would God be so serious about this topic? Like, do you ever ever think about that? Like, why in certain areas is God so serious? And in other words, in other areas, it's like, you know, like, it's because we see the ramification, like, look around the world and look what judgment does. Look what judgment does. Everywhere you look, people are operating out of judgment. When somebody's at work and they're trying to get the promotion and look the best out of everybody there, what are they doing? There's a fear of rejection going on in them. They're wanting to prove their value by producing in this way, and all of it stems out of judgment. They've lived in a world where their their innate value, the way that they've been created by God, if we could see clearly about the way that we had been created by God and how other people had been created in his image, there wouldn't be any of this jockeying that we see everywhere. There wouldn't be this fear going on everywhere. 
And so God is so serious about this. He gets, he gets really serious about this and forgiveness because he's like, this is the type of stuff right that separates the world. Like, his heart is to unite the world under the headship of Christ. Like, you can read anything in this book, and it'll come back to that. Uniting the world under the headship of Christ. And so, when we encounter something that's so clearly divisive, he gets really serious about it. And man, he went hard after the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, because they were walking in tons of judgment. And so what does he say? He says, next he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own? What do sawdust and planks have in common? Same substance. It's the same substance. When you're looking in judgment at somebody else, you're not seeing clearly because the stuff that you're spotting in them is the stuff that's in you. If you go around and you start to look, what are, what are the areas where it's really hard for me to extend grace? What are the areas where I'm prone to judgment, where I see someone doing something and I'm like, man, like, you know, that, that feels like something that, you know, you're over here. If you back that out, that same substance is probably something that's going on in you. And if you allow yourself to separate, if you allow yourself to distance, you're seeing things unclear. There's a plank in your eye. Why? Why are you seeing things unclear? It comes back to the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. We're not separate. We're not different. We're united. We're all united in the realization that we don't deserve anything that God has given to us. And we're all united in the fact that we're made in the image of God. It's this crazy, weird, tensioned thing where it's like, I deserve nothing. I was separated from God. I did nothing to deserve his grace. I'm still created in the image of God. And deep down in the core, when you go under and you get through the Mars of sin, there is something beautiful about every single person on the earth, whether they know God or whether they don't know God, because everybody's been made in the image of God. And so this process that we're in is you come into Christ, you receive forgiveness, positionally you're made perfect, and then you go through this process called sanctification where the Mars of sin are removed from your life and the true image of God that was put inside of you, the way you were created, starts to shine for the first time and blaze more and more. We go from glory to glory because he heals those places and you rise up in, and the image of God in you starts to shine in the world and you become a light. That's the process. Right? But we all have the same starting point. And to take your sanctification and say like, Hey, brother, like, I used to struggle with that, but I must have leaned into God more hard because I'm out of that, and you're over here, and you're separate from me now, and you don't do it exactly right. Like, what are we doing? His will, headship of Christ, unite everything up under the headship of Christ, and we can't see straight if we're not seeing with the humility to know that we all started in the same place and the moment that you look at them and there's judgment and there's separation, you're blinded. You can't help that person. You know why you can't help that person? You're blind. 
you're not seeing correctly. You're filled with judgment. When you're filled with judgment, your correction is not for them. When you're filled with judgment, your correction is not for them. It's for you. There's some self-righteous thing that's going on in the inside that just is compelled and has to call out the wrong in other people. It's like this thing that bubbles up. And it's like, I just, I just have, to, I have to correct this thing. They're there and I'm over here. You know what happens in love? We're on the same playing field. It's now love. Love is united, not separated. Love, you come in and you go, this isn't for me. Like, I don't actually even want to be doing this. Do you guys ever have one of those moments where you're like, man, I really feel compelled by the Lord to, like, bring this up with a brother or sister, but I really don't want to do this. That is a great sign. It means it's not for you. Seriously. Those are the moments where you go like, all right, Lord, like, clearly you're wanting to do something for them. Help me be an agent of light for them to be able to see what you've just walked me through. And so I humbly come in, not from a place of elevated, not from a place of other, but from a place of we. And if you look through the Old Testament, some of the most powerful prayers in the entire Bible for the people of Israel were from prophets that associated with the people. They were, they were in a place where they were judging the actions of Israel. Wrong, wrong, wrong. And then you see their prayers and it's like, we, we, we need you, God. We need your help. We need, there's this uniting thing that happened. And you could tell that, that, that is the mark of a spirit-driven prophet. When it's not like rebuke the church over here and you're bad and I'm over here doing great. It's not that at all. It's, it's we're in this. We are the church. Verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's interesting that he calls this thing hypocritical. Like, when I think of a hypocrite, I think of somebody who says, like, you know, I'm not a, I, I don't gamble or whatever, and then the next thing you know, they're, like, gambling, you know? The, the interesting thing that I, I felt like about this kind of like you hypocrite thing is what people who are in judgment are doing is they're looking at other people's actions and they're determining something on the inside from something that's on the outside. So they look at something on the outside going on and they say, that's bad, therefore I'm throwing that person away. Like that's basically judgment. Throwing away is the dramatic one. That's bad, this person's like not who I thought they were, or I'm, I'm separating myself from them in that area. A hypocrite is somebody who says they're going to do one thing or says something's true on the inside, but then they prove that it's actually the opposite on the outside. It's, I don't know if you're, get, if you're getting where I'm going with this, but it's, it's actually the flip version. Like, something's, this is all about inside-outside stuff. Right? Judgment is you did something on the outside, it says that you're polluted on the inside. Hypocrite says, I'm really pure and holy on the inside, and then their actions are actually 
not so much on the outside. It's actually exactly operating in judgment and living to, to a standard that they can't live up to. And so he correctly addresses this as hypocritical. And the action that he has for us is first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want to talk about a few examples of how I've, I've seen this go. One of them recently, I was uh, coming home from a business trip, and uh, I was riding home with a cabbie, and tis the season for politics, so he's got NPR on his radio, and we're listening to something. I asked him to turn it up because there was something interesting going on, and uh, we kind of listened to it, and then the thing ended, and we, we turned it down. And <clears throat> immediately, the person started to go into this kind of like this rant about the rich. And I, and I thought, I found it so interesting because a large part of what the rant about the rich was about was about how the rich take their place of power, categorize people, and then choose to push them down. And I was sitting there thinking, it's so interesting because that's exactly what this person is doing. They're using their place to separate themselves from the rich and say, the rich do this. Once you're in power, once you have money, then you're corrupted and you can't be trusted. And this guy had this long narrative about how that was true and how he'd seen it true. And I was just so interested because I've sat on the other side in my office where the rich do exactly the same thing to the poor. Where what the rich are saying is, you wouldn't be in this place if you actually just knew how to live your life. Like, it's never quite that overt, but it's like, you, you don't know how to steward your own life, and so you're over here, I know how to steward my own life, I'm over here, and so you're the poor, you, you're not deserving of help in that sense. And you've got this gulf that is just perfectly ordained by Satan, <laughs> where the rich and poor are looking at each other going, you're over here, and you don't get it because of your money, and you're over here because you don't get it, you don't have a good work ethic. You've made a bunch of bad choices. You're reaping what you're sowing now. And I, it was so interesting to sit in the middle of these two worlds and just watch the judgments fly back at one another and just feel our nation divide and divide and divide. I see this happen in, in groups of people too. You know, I think the classic example is a clique where there's hardcore insiders and outsiders. You know, like, I think we're in a cool place as a church, honestly, right now. We're probably about 120 people. For the first time, we can't all be friends and know each other deeply. I'm actually like, you know, in, in, in the study of church growth, there's a point, they're, they're like sticking points where you have to get over them because the old culture expires and you kind of need a new wineskin, so to speak. You need to do something different in order for it to grow. And I feel like we're right in that place where different groups of friends are really healthy. Like, it's not a sign of a bad church when you have different pockets of friends, right? 
What is the sign of an unhealthy community, you guys know where I'm going with this, you're like, you don't even need to say it because I know where you're going with this, is when those pockets of friends have walls around them. Like, it's like, no, 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 this is my group of friends, right? And for whatever reason, you don't see like me, you don't pray like me, you don't work where I work, you don't get me, whatever it is, there's these reasons why there's barriers around our community, and, and those are there and these are here. And it's interesting to me that judgment shows up in those areas too. It's not just judging an individual where you push away like this. It's how big are the walls around your community. Like, I want this church to be insanely hospitable. Any of you guys who know me want this church to be insanely hospitable. The ways coming from me that it's not insanely hospitable, and I know there are ways, is because I'm not perfect and I have blind spots and I know I say things that aren't exactly perfect and hit people in different ways than they hit other people. And I know I have those. What, and, 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 I'm, and I'm working on them, and I'd love for you to take the plank out of your own eye and then come and tell me about. <laughs> oh, dang. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but in all seriousness, like, come up to me and share with me. I really want it when it's done in love. Leave your judgment outside. I don't want it either. After you've like come and talk to me for real, because I want to know my blind spots. Because I want no, I want no walls in this community, right? Like all of that stuff of judgment. Like, you know, you can't enter here because we're charismatic. You don't worship like us as freely as us, and we're so much better. My hands are in the air every Sunday. <laughs> you don't even put your hands in the air. Right? Like, how weird do we get? Why do we get so weird? Why do we get so weird? I want this church, man, like, body of Christ broken for you. Blood of Christ shed for you. Where are the walls in that, right? That is the ultimate level playing field. That is the ultimate way that we're able to honor people and see them in their created image, not in what sin has done to them. That's judgment in a nutshell. If you choose to see blindly, if you choose to see with the plank in your own eye, what you're choosing to do is identify and see people according to what sin has done to the image of God in that person rather than the image itself. And sometimes sin has beaten people up to such a place where it's really hard to see the created image under there. And it takes prophetic eyes. It takes the eyes of Christ. It takes the Holy Spirit inside of you to be able to see through that stuff and go, wow, like look at who that person is. And you see right through all of that stuff and you call it out of them. Imagine what the church would be like and how powerful we would be if we saw like that, if we walked like that, if we were able to live like that. That's what we're going for. So let me, let me make one more comment just to complete the passage. Do you have some stuff you want to share? Okay. Verse 6. This weird passage, that, or this weird like, verse that sits at the end. Do not give to dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Who knows what this means? 
the IVer. She's like, I studied this in manuscript. <laughs> you IVers. <laughs> I'm one of them. I know. So, why would you take your best sweater, cashmere sweater, and put it on a pig? <laughs> like, what's wrong with that? Why would you take something so valuable and throw it before somebody who has no sense of that value? Nah. So it's interesting, on the heels of this passage where Jesus says, hey, once you've entered the place of love, once you see correctly, go to your brother and talk to them about the thing that's going on with them. Like, out of love, go to them. This is how we become one. He then, after that, has this passage where he says, and by the way, if you bring something valuable to one of your brothers and they don't value it, that's like taking pearls and throwing it before swine. They will turn and they will trample you. They'll tear you to pieces. And doesn't that exactly, isn't that exactly how it happens? You come in love and you're like, wow, I really want to give you this gift. This is not for me. This is for you. I have this valuable, beautiful gift that I want to give to you. Here it is. And it's like, who do you think you are, you judgmental person? You yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've experienced that before. That's what this is talking about. And so what he's saying here is these, these are gifts. We need to see these gifts. And I think we should take the, the other side of this is to like, let's not be dogs and pigs. Let's be really careful not to be dogs and pigs. Feedback is a gift. Feedback is a treasure. That, man, I would love in this community where we got to such a place of security and such a place of love with no judgment that we're just coming to each other constantly and being like, hey, I don't know if you're seeing this, but I wanted to offer you a gift. Is that okay? Awesome. You know why awesome? You know why I'm open to hearing from you all day long? Is because you're not going to throw me away. And that's what all of us are terrified about. That's the core of judgment. But the judgment's gone. So when you bring up my fault, I'm not terrified because you're going to throw me away. I'm excited because there's a new target for me to invite God into. Oh, wow, I, I completely missed that. Thank you so much. Like, will you pray into that for me? Absolutely, let's pray. Like, that just going on everywhere. That's where we can go with this. How'd I do, Estelle? Yeah, good. Got the thumbs up. Cool. Come on up. So um, <clears throat> I just wanted to give a little bit of kind of a more, more of a story to kind of go along with this. So as Ryan told you all, we went away this weekend for four days. Um, and Ryan was very refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> It takes a lot more for me to get refreshed. Um, but so, so we, we got in a little spat, right? Um, we, don't, we don't get in fights very often. 
they usually all the fights always happen when there's extra time <laughs> on our hands. <laughs> and um, and what had happened was this is pretty much like the melody of every single fight we've ever had. We don't have very many, but these this is it. I want time with you. Why don't you want to hang out with me as much as I want to hang out with you, right? And um, and we were having one of those moments. And God bless Ryan, right? Um, and I have I've come a very long way, everyone. I just wanna I just wanna say this, okay? <laughs> but but like on this trip, I was like, you did this 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 this, and you didn't make very much time for me, and blah blah da 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 da. And Ryan, in all of his infinite patience, or somewhat finite, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but he he listened, and then afterwards he said, okay, are you now that you're done? Um, can I share how I feel? And I listened and I said, okay. I <laughs> you can go now. <laughs> that really was how it went. I said, you can go now. I heard you. I need to go and be with Jesus because I'm really mad. And he left. And, um, and I basically cried a whole lot. It's really restful, right? Um, so I cried a lot, and, um, and I was so mad, right? Like, when I first started going to Jesus, I was just like, I'm so mad, God. He did, da, 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 da. I started writing my letter of, like, everything I wish I would have said, but I was too mad to say it, and this is everything that he did, and I was just like, da, da, da. and then Jesus, and I just felt this compelling. He was like, I want you to look at a picture of your, of your trip, and so I, like, got my phone out, and I'm like, and then I see this picture, and it's of Ryan smiling. And it was of him with our girls. And then the Lord was just like, you know, he gave up so much. Do you know how hard he's been working? Do you realize how much he tried to make you happy? And all of a sudden, the Lord started being like, and when you said this, this, and this to him, it made it really hard for him. And I'm like, I don't want to listen about what I did. <laughs> I want to look at the speck in his eye. <laughs> I want to talk about me and my pain. <laughs> and, but it was just, but my bitterness was shrinking. <laughs> you know, as I was just like, man, that thing that you want, you know, how you want refreshment and you want this, this, and this, like, he's been, he's been trying. And then the Lord just started showing me, like, these are all the ways that he's been trying. And I'm like, ugh. Okay. Like, it's so easy to see what someone else is doing wrong. You know? It's so much easier to see how much work and what you need from somebody else. Especially when you feel like the other person is the one who wronged you. But I feel like this is key for all relationships on the earth. <laughs> when I think when I saw Ryan as my enemy, as someone who was trying to hurt me, or someone who was not being thoughtful towards me, it was really, really hard. 
And when I saw my conversation with him as an extension of why he had to understand what he did, I couldn't heal. But when I was able to see how loving he had been and how he tried to make my birthday great and how he has needs and he had to die to his needs and how he was trying in X, Y, Z, then all of a sudden, I didn't need him to say sorry. I was able to see the situation clearly because all of a sudden, I was able to take my judgment to Jesus. And Jesus healed me. And then I was able to say sorry for being the pain that I was and not feel invalidated. Because I think a lot of times when we say, when we, when we see the speck in our eye, we think that it invalidates that there's a speck in the other person. You know, we think that if we admit that we were kind of wrong too, that it negates what's going on with them. But the truth is with the Lord, I'm responsible for me, and Ryan's responsible for him. You, I'm responsible for me, and you're responsible for you. And I think that that's one of the biggest ways for us as a community to heal. Like, I think we feel like it's our job to go and fix and correct everybody else. You know, and it's not that there isn't a place for speaking truth, but I don't think that we can when there's hardness and bitterness in our own heart. Because then, like Ryan was saying, we're doing it for us, for our healing. And the only way that that healing can happen is when we're not carrying that in our own hearts. That's the only way that that other person can even hear. And, um, and so I just wanted to share that because I felt like it was a really live experience of what this can look like in real life. I think a lot of times we're like, it, it's not as overt as we think this person is beneath us. I think sometimes it just feels like there's a separation. All of a sudden, we're not one. You know, we're not, we're not both in the same journey together. And if you're a married couple, that's even more explicit. But we're all people, you know. We're all doing life, and we're all one. We're, you know. But, like, when in a marriage, for instance, it's like, actually, we're on the same page. And I think it took me a little bit of stepping away to be like, actually, we both want the same thing. We want a great marriage. We want a great relationship. We want to do awesome life together. We want time together, right? And I think that that's the same way with friendships. You know, a lot of times we forget that the other person wants the same thing. They want intimate friendships and relationships to be understood and to be heard. They just may not know how. And I think when we're like, well, this means X, Y, Z. This means that they don't care. Or this, now I'm, we're not in this together. We're not in this relationship thing together. I'm working for it, but that other person isn't. Then we're separate. And... Um, and so I just wanted to share that because I feel like sometimes these things can become very abstract in ideas. But this is actually 
in every relationship that we could possibly have on earth. You know, I think realizing that we're, we're all actually working towards unity together, it's important. So I'd love to um, have all of us stand. We'll have the worship team come up. Yeah, and have the worship team come up. I'm going to pray this for all of us because um, I think that this is something that I can't imagine a single person where this is not a struggle for in some way, shape, or form. And I think that that's, yeah, I think that's kind of part of the point of this message is that we actually are all in this and we all, it's hard for all of us. Yeah. So Father God, I just thank you, God for this passage. Lord God, I thank you that um, our unity is really important to you, Jesus. And so, Lord, in every way where our fear of rejection causes us to divide, to separate, to judge. I pray, Father God, that you would teach us your heart. God, you're not calling us to not, you're not calling us to forsake knowing right and wrong. But you are calling us, God, to not discard people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would deepen and deposit in our hearts the humility to be able to recognize when we do this and to stop ourselves from allowing the enemy to divide us. That when we see a mistake or when we see a shortcoming in another person, that we don't write them off as a human. That we don't write them off as being undeserving of kindness and love. That I pray, Father God, that in this house you would give us eyes that really are prophetic. That even when we are faced with seeing the many, many shortcomings in each other, that, God, we will be able to see who they truly are. I pray, Father God, for the eyes to be able to have that moment where we're able to allow our heart to melt because we can see what you saw when they were a small child. When they, 
were just the, the way that you had designed them to be. That we would be able to see all of the effort and we would be able to see the ways that they're doing their best. I pray, God, that we would all see ourselves and that it took a lot of grace for you to love us. And so, Lord, I ask you, God, that you would just allow us to just move into a deeper place of love. That we would be able to catch when our eyes start to judge, when we start to project accusations and thoughts towards one another. God, I pray that you would deepen our love and that we would be so committed to talking to one another after we have removed the planks out of our own eyes so that we can all just get closer to you, Jesus. I pray, Father God, that you would allow us as a people to be able to be better at receiving your grace. Because, Lord God, the degree that we can receive your grace is the degree to which we can extend your grace. I pray that this wouldn't just be head knowledge, but that you would take it down to deep soul, spirit, life-changing knowledge, God. Let us be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to forgive, and quick to surrender. And we'll open up the altars uh, for anybody who wants prayer regarding this topic or for anything else that's going on in life that you want the power of God to come in and bring change. Before we do that, I'm just going to pray one more thing. Father, on behalf of this community, Lord, we ask, God, that you would remove judgment from our midst, God. That by the power of your spirit, God, that you would bless this community with an ability to be God, truly um, judgment-free in a way that everybody feels safe here. God, I'm just reminded of the, the woman caught in adultery and how she did not feel safe. God, in the, in the, in the process of being caught in her sin, but Jesus, you drew near and you made her feel safe right in the midst of her error. And God, we ask, God, that you would draw near to us in a way, God, that we would be able to experience that Jesus, and God, that we'd be able to represent you to the world, God, that this would be a community of people that no matter who comes in the door, God, that, that we would be not separating, not judgmental, not loving, God, but truly represent the heart of God. And so, Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in here, Lord. Remove barriers, Lord. By the power of your spirit, remove barriers. So we ask you to bless our house. Thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Enjoy worship and come on up uh, if you would like prayer.